Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're looking at the first eight verses, and then we're going to jump down to verses 28 and 29. We begin the series, as Isaac mentioned earlier, called King Jesus Christmas. Uh, As every church gears itself up for the Christmas season, we spend a lot of time talking about who Jesus is. As you gear up for Easter celebration, we spend a lot of time about talking of what he did. And when you add who he is with what he did, it brings the third piece of our Christianity together, and that's how are we to live in light of that. So as we began, for those of you that weren't with us back in January, we began our series in Colossians, and we called it Enough. And we looked at the teachings of Paul to the Church of Colossae about who Jesus was, and I decided that I wanted to conclude this year of teaching by focusing on the King Jesus Christmas. What difference does that make in the context of all that we've learned? Uh, I want to encourage those of you uh, that have come prepared today to bring your return card. This is the last Sunday we're going to be collecting those. You can, of course, turn those in later if you're still praying through that. But if you've prepared yourself today, there are treasure baskets at the back of this room and also out in the foyer that those of you that have your return cards ready to turn in, please do so uh, before you leave today. Let's read Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and then 28 and 29. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. You learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Verses 28 and 29. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus, our gospel. The word gospel is an interesting word, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. But there is a concept about Christianity that I want to debunk, if I can, and use the Christmas season, the advent, the waiting for the coming of the Christ, to awaken us, as we talked about last week in Psalm 1, to be awakened to what God is doing. It was May of 1738 in London There were a group of men that were seeking to grow in their religious and moral lives, but they all admitted they had an inner emptiness. They would gather in one man's apartment, and they would talk about religion, and they would pray for each other. And the reason we know what took place is most of the men in this group kept journals. Their journals were used by their family to discover the journey after their lives had ended that they had been on. One man named Charles, who was a part of this group, went to church one evening, And he participated in the Lord's Supper and through the prayers and the singing. But when he got back from church that evening, he wrote in his personal journal these words. Received the sacrament, but not the Christ. He had gone to church. He had participated. But when he left, he knew that something was missing. 
there hadn't been the connection he desired. And so, another one of the men who came to the meeting by the name of William Holland, he brought a book that someone had loaned him. It was Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians. And he asked that evening if Charles would read the preface to the, to the commentary and they would discuss it. And in Holland's journal that evening, he wrote, When Charles got to the words of Luther, have we nothing to do? The question Luther posed in the book of Galatians is, you mean we do nothing? He says, have we nothing to do? No, nothing but to accept of him who God has made our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Holland's life was changed when he realized that Christianity was not about what he did, but it's about what Jesus has already done completely. That William Holland stepped from just receiving the sacraments into an understanding of how to receive the Christ. And Holland wrote these words, At those words I broke through, and suddenly power came on me, and I knew who Jesus was. Charles noticed that William Holland had changed that something was about him was different. And on the next day, he wrote in his journal, Mr. Holland seemed to have found faith tonight, but I don't get it. Pretty honest explanation of what he saw. But a few days later, Charles went to church again, continuing to try to do the right things to receive what God wanted. And in that, he said, I found it. I saw by faith where I stood. Though myself I am always sinking in sin, so I went to bed that night sensing my weakness and finally confident that in Christ. A few months later, Charles, whose official name is Charles Wesley, wrote a song about the breakthrough. The third verse of that hymn that he wrote after coming to an understanding of who Jesus was and the truth of the gospel, it sounds like this. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. One man got it, one man didn't, and it's the issue at Christmas. Do we receive the sacraments, the candlelights, the Advent services, the hymns we love, the moments of prayer, but walk away not having received the real gift of Christmas, the gift of who Jesus is? You see, the gospel of Jesus must be accepted for what it is, not what we want it to be. It's the gift of good news. It's the essence of Christianity. Paul said in verses 5 and 6, the gospel has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all of its truth. Paul's challenge to the church of Colossae in one of the most beautiful chapters, Colossians chapter 1, is one of the most beautiful statements about who Jesus Christ is. Paul is challenging them to realize that today we want you to not just receive the sacraments of the season, but the Christ of the season. So I want to talk to you about what this gospel that Paul says is producing fruit all over the world. And Paul's prophecy, his prophetic word is, and it still is, it's still doing amazing things. What is this gospel that we receive? That, that we receive and hold to its truth. 
I'd like to give you four, very briefly this morning, I'd like to give you four things as you prepare your hearts for even coming back this evening to Advent service, to prepare your hearts on the hope that we have in the gospel. The first of all is the gospel is joy. The the good news of Jesus Christ and the work he's done is joy. In fact, the word gospel is a Greek compound, which means joyous proclamation. It's not just news, and it's not just old news, but it's good news. I come in contact with people who are seeking, and I love that. They, they think, they look at me, what I do professionally, what I do with my life, and they say, would you talk to me about this? I've tried to be a Christian. I've, I've received the sacraments, but not the Christ. And, and I, I want to do more. And, and I often feel this pressure when I talk to them that they're turning Christianity into this big task list. There's these 19 things I have to do every day. And if I don't do them well, then I just, I won't, it won't happen for me. And I, and I want to tell you that if you see Christianity as a task list, you have misunderstood or have bought the cultural lie of what Christianity is. Christianity is not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already completely done. Church, did you get that? The good news that brings me joy is no matter what my circumstances are, Jesus has overcome every one of them in advance. There's no situation I'll face. There's no circumstance. Even things like cancer or unemployment or separation or a lack of peace in my relationships or anger, none of those things are too big for Jesus. The gospel is that I can have joy in spite of my inability to smile. I don't want Christianity to ever become for any of us, walk around and act happy. That doesn't work. People can, can smell the insincerity. The challenge for all of us is to live this out. Have you noticed when you read your Bibles that whenever the good news of what God is going to do through the Messiah, whether it's in the Old Testament before he came or the good news that is being proclaimed in the writings of the early church fathers, have you ever noticed when the gospel is presented... In its proper way, there produces joy. Let's go back to Luke 2. We always bring this out at Christmas time. Luke 2, verse 10. And the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great, church, that will be for all the people. Shepherds. I could spend 20 minutes telling you about the context of the shepherds. One of the worst jobs in all the world of Jesus' day. Outcast, forgotten, And not allowed to be brought in. And yet, who did they appear to the first time? And what did they offer them? In spite of their circumstances, they could have what? Joy. An inner understanding and peace. Paul says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You see, we don't have to wish into existence the promises of Jesus. They're here for all of us. It's already here, celebrating and proclaiming it. But it's, be, it's based on truths. Paul said it's not based on wishful thinking. It's based on propositions that are true. That God came to earth in, in Jesus Christ, and Jesus walked this earth. He was a real man who went through everything we'll go through, and he was killed for our sins, sacrificed for us. He was actually murdered and tortured, and that he, he did miracles in front of skeptics and supporters, in front of those who didn't want to believe in them, it's recorded, the things he did, the demons he cast out, 
The dead he raised to life. The sicknesses he banished. All of these things is evidence that he actually did it. And then he was murdered. He went in the tomb. And three days later he walked out. This is not wishful thinking to say a God who can do all of that evidence can still do more in your life. It's where joy comes from. It's a belief based on hope. And it's true. It won't appear on your screen, but 2 Timothy 1.12, if you want to write it down, is uh, one of my favorite verses in Paul's writings when he says, and it's just his testimony, I know who I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. He said, I know he's got it. And the promise of the Advent season, the celebration of Christmas, is that when God told Abraham, I've got it, God's got it. When God told Adam and Eve, I've got it, God's got it. When God told Moses, I have it, he has it. When, he, when, he, when Moses said, who do I say I'm representing? God said, tell him I am, I got it. I ask you this morning, does God have it? Does Jesus not demonstrate to you through his life alone that when God says he'll cover it, he'll cover it all? It's joy. Isaiah 51, verse 11 Reading that this week, just bounced off the page. The ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Does anybody else in this room want to get rid of sorrow and sighing? Aren't you tired of reading the newspaper, watching the television, and all your body can do is go, again? To have my 10-year-old son look at me after watching Good Morning America on the way to school, and he goes, why is this happening? Oh, that's a great question, son. Philosophers have been banging on that forever. And the promise is, when the king returns and restores the new Jerusalem, there will be no more sighing, no more sorrow. He's got it. The second thing the gospel is, you can, today we can bring that. You see, the gospel is also power. And here's where I want to encourage those of you who go, yeah, 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 I get the joy, I get the joy. Now I need you to live it. And when you live it, it has power. Paul says in verse 28, or 29 rather, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. If you know the truth of the gospel, and you choose to invest your life in it, and Jesus came to empower us. He said, I must leave so that my, my comforter can come. My, my counselor, the Holy Spirit, can fill your life and lead you in this way of truth. I ask you today, and I don't want to be harsh, but I want you to think this through. If you're struggling with anger, it's because you have not believed the gospel. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I want to encourage you to believe the gospel. Because when you hold on to your anger... It's because deep inside you wonder if the love and forgiveness of God is real. If you're struggling today with discouragement, it's because you're wondering deep in your soul whether the kindness and mercy of God is sufficient. When, when we have rough lives, the gospel must become more important because this isn't an easy world. We don't live in the dominion of God. We live in the dominion of, of darkness and evil. And Advent's all about the light exploding into the darkness. John chapter 1. It's about awaiting that promise. If you're experiencing anxiety, it's because deep down inside, we're all wondering if God is enough. Or is it God plus Jesus plus this? Jesus plus wealth, or Jesus plus health, or Jesus plus power, or Jesus plus fame. And Paul says, no, it's 
It's none of those. Paul says, I labor though, struggling with his energy, all that he provides. Because for many of us, life makes us receive the sacraments, but reject the Christ. This is what Charles Wesley struggled with. That's why Paul says in verse 29, to this end I labor. And how did Paul describe what it is to live by the power of Christ? Listen to what he says in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Once again, the average Christian in culture today, by the way we demonstrate our lives, we believe that once Jesus saves me, I now am obedient to promote my life, to further my life, it's all about obedience. And I'm here to tell you, that's not what the gospel says. The gospel says that Jesus Christ saves you and Jesus Christ himself, living in you, sanctifies you, grows you, propels you, advances you. It's not, I need Jesus, now I need to go alone. The gospel says that there is a power that comes through salvation that leads us through sanctification into holiness, into his presence. You're not meant to walk your faith alone. Your faith must be in him, in him, in him, and in him is the power. So if you're wondering today how you've received the sacraments, but not the Savior, I challenge you to receive the Savior, and you'll understand the sacraments. Thirdly, The gospel is grace. Grace is unmerited favor, right? Common definition of it. Simplistic, conceptual. That the grace is the things that God does for me that I do not deserve. In verse 5, again Paul says, The faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. Stored up in heaven. That's grace. Uh, many, many times, uh, Braden will uh, have some money. He's 10 years old. Uh, and we'll give him money. And he'll walk through a crowd of people because he's young and he believes people are good. He'll walk through a crowd with a $10 bill sticking out of his hand. And to teach him a lesson, I've often run around where he doesn't see me coming and just walk by and snatch it from his hand and walk away. And I'll hear these words, Dad! And I said, I told you to put it in your pocket and hide it. Because he can't fathom that some mean person out there besides his father would snatch it. (laughs) And I figure it's mine anyway, I ought to get it back. (laughs) But I'm trying to teach him a lesson, right? You know what the beauty of God is, and I love this about God? Is there are certain things that God is holding for us, stored in heaven, based on his grace, that cannot be taken from me by any of you. It can't. It's the good news of his grace. That there is a place for me. I have a status with God. And here's where I have it. If you'd see my notes this morning, it says it right here. This is where I expect all of you to go. I've heard this sermon before. Christianity is just full of really good things. Nope. If you think of it that way, it's the sacraments without the Savior. Because the joy and power and grace of God are not separate from our fourth point. And here's our fourth point. The gospel is Jesus himself. Please understand, the gospel is not about Jesus. The gospel is Jesus. And there, that is the difference, between, that's the difference between the sun and a firefly. 
the power, the promise, the prestige. That Jesus didn't come and say, I'm going to give you these things in God's speed. Jesus said, I'm going to give you these things in me. Not separate. Not detachable components. Not superhero tricks. Jesus said, I'm it. That's why verse 28 says, we proclaim him. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. This holiday season, which really is an anglicized word for holy days. In these holy days in which we're living, I want us to move beyond. And I'm not, I'm not saying all of you are stuck, but some of us are. I want us to move beyond the sacraments, the candle lighting, the carol singing, the gathering in churches, the special prayers. I, I want us to, to move away from that as some recipe to draw God closer. And I want us to all understand he's already here. So the sacraments are to enjoy the presence of our king and not to try to beckon him from a distant land. Our gatherings are because we know the truth of the gospel. And it's not about Jesus. It is Jesus. That's what William Holland and Charles Wesley came to understand. And they moved beyond. You see, I want to say this morning, in a safe place, I want us to be able to celebrate and rejoice as we begin the process of preparing our minds and our families for this glorious gift received every day. Jesus is our only righteousness. Jesus is our only holiness. Jesus is our only path to wisdom. The world says, no, here's the way. Here's some things. Here's some good ideas to make you draw closer to God. And Jesus said, no, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. It's not just about using Jesus to get these gifts. It's about understanding that none of these gifts are anything but Jesus. You want joy in your life? It's Jesus. You want power in your life? It's Jesus. You want grace in your life? It's Jesus. And that's why Wesley went to bed one night saying, I got no game. And he woke up the next day and he said, but he does. And then Charles Wesley wrote these words. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glory by. Born that no man, no more may man die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Christmas isn't about Jesus came a long time ago. Christmas is truly about he still reigns here in the lives of those who receive the gospel. So this morning, embrace the gospel. It's Jesus. The hope, the joy, the power, the grace, the presence. It's ours. And you have to do nothing except accept it and watch it splash all over everything around you. Live in the power of the gospel. Live in the hope of the gospel. It is God's means of saving everything. Let's stand and praise him. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, 
or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.